You're listening to The Final Stand with Pastor John. I'm right. Let's see. That's a little better. All right. Welcome here. And we just thank you, Lord, for bringing people in from the north, south, east, and west. We thank you, God, for your word going out in power and authority. We expect, Lord, we expect people coming in right now from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We thank you, Lord, right now that you send your angels out to the north, south, east, and west. Bring people in from the north, south, east, and west. We thank you, Father, that come people from the north, south, east, and west, Father. We thank you for an anointing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for healings, for deliverance, through breakthrough, God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that we'll preach your word and people will be freed and empowered. In the name of Jesus, Father, we give you praise, Father. We give you thanks. We give you glory, God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God. We thank you, Almighty God. Jesus' name, hallelujah. We know that the darkness will last for a season but it will pass. And Father, when it does, there's some glorious that's going to break through in the name of Jesus. Everything will be shaken that can be shaken. Hallelujah, Father God, for transition. And we see it happening in this season. This is the season that the Spirit of God says the transition is coming. You will see it shortly. But before it comes, darkness will come. Believe the narrative of the word, not the narrative of man. You're about ready to see an explosive change in the United States of America and the nations of the earth. You watch. You watch. You prepare yourself spiritually. Amen. It's Pastor John. God bless you. Hallelujah. And I don't think I set this camera exactly upright today somehow. Maybe get like sure what happened to anyways. Praise the Lord. Um, I want to share with you some stuff. If you would like to grow and uh, in the kingdom of God, people, I, I want to tell you something. First place, uh, a word that uh, I received from the Lord, and uh, it, it is. Uh, hold on one second here. Did I put it on? Okay, here. Dismantling and removing veils dismantling and removing veils. I'm, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And I know that the truth is not always comfortable. And what I mean by that, and if you hear that background thing, that's the air conditioner, but the truth is not always comfortable because the truth um, might be take up your cross. 
the truth might be deny yourself. The truth might be that you have to die to yourself in order to live to Christ. The truth might be that you must lose your life to gain it. The truth might be that you must forsake all things to follow Jesus. And that truth doesn't mesh with the people who promise you hacks and silver bullets and shortcuts to spiritual life. See, that doesn't it doesn't keep and correspond to, correspond with the teaching of the kingdom. Now Jesus said, if any man, any woman will come after me, he must deny himself. That's your suke, your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Take up your cross and follow me. And in the mix of this whole thing, people don't like that. So they want it easy. Easier. You know, in fact, in Isaiah, it giving you we're gonna talk about the kingdom of God and you're gonna get free. Isaiah says, let the wicked forsake their thoughts. Isaiah 55, 7. You know, if, if a brother or sister will come to you and say, brother, I need deliverance from having evil thoughts. It's funny. If it, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. You know, God said, let the wicked forsake their thoughts. It doesn't say that's a demon. It says, let the wicked forsake their thoughts. You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And those are wrong thoughts that we have, perceptions. Okay, it says casting down every thought. You do that. Casting down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's your job. That's not God's job. And so let me turn my equipment on here. I'm not following it. It was kind of bothering me, to be honest, a little. I hate the little echo you get there. But anyways, you know, it's uh, almost like a, a feedback or whatever. But I need to do it. So we're going to talk about things that will change your life forever. And I guarantee you that the message today is going to change you. I, 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 I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about some stuff today. But one of the things the Lord t told me is, is, again, back to this concept of truth. That the devil establishes warheads in our life, deceptions. And these deceptions and these warheads in our life keep us from the purposes of the kingdom, they keep us from seeing Jesus. They keep us from seeing Jesus. Okay. And again, like I said, the kingdom of God contrasts to these this these hacks, this this uh, shortcuts, these silver bullets, which in my opinion are just a dog and pony show. Because when the Bible talks about thoughts, sure thoughts can come from the devil, but Paul doesn't tell you to get deliverance. He tells you to cast down your thoughts. Again, if you want to get the, into the Bible, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay? He wrote 18 Pauline epistles. If you include Hebrews, which a lot of people do, it's 19. He never talks about deliverance one time. And he said he's been given these mysteries for the Gentiles. 
So is he, is, he, is he washed up? He don't know what he's talking about? He said he's given these mysteries for the Gentiles, but he never talks about deliverance once. He never talks about inner healing once. So what's the problem? These are new heresies. You already are, listen, if you're living a repentant life, then you are the righteousness of God. You may not feel victorious, but you're living by your feelings. And, and this is the problem. So I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And there's a disconnect sometimes people don't understand. And I'm talking about between truth and not truth now. Okay. I gave you some scriptures already. The Bible says in Isaiah, let the wicked forsake their thoughts. Hey, Pastor John, would you cast a devil out of me? Well, what's the problem? I'm having thoughts that I want to punch somebody. I'm having thoughts of lust. I'm having thoughts of pride. Hmm, really? Well, what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about that? Let's get the Bible involved. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts you got to forsake your thoughts if they're not right you have to do that and I'm going to tell you something as well and this is a fact and I've learned this from life that you got to ch change your actions sometimes before your thoughts will change and, and you notice the progression here let the wicked forsake his ways stop doing what you're doing the outgrowth of an inward uh, corruption Stop doing what you're doing. This is what he says. Let the wicked forsake his ways. Stop what you're doing first. And the unrighteous his thoughts. And there's a progression there for a reason. you got to deal with your actions first. Okay. Sorry for those little children making those sounds. I apologize for that. Uh, so my grandchildren... Um, so anyways so what does the Bible say not not what is the, the newest Christian psychologist say, what the inner healing person says not what the, the deliverance person says but what, is, what does the Bible say the Bible says let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous his thoughts what is second Corinthians chapter 10 say casting down every thought sounds like it's keeping uh, <laughs> sounds like it's 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 uh, in conjuncture to what Isaiah 55 7 says S sounds like it's it hooks up with that it says casting down every thought That exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Sounds like it's keeping together with scriptures, doesn't it? How about another scripture here real quickly? Okay. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Getting, Pastor John using the Bible again. Wow. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. Sounds like it keeps with Isaiah 55, 7. Sounds like it keeps with, uh, well, <coughs> sorry. I got something kind of, 
something bugging me this morning. Pardon me for that. I need coffee. Doesn't coffee heal everything? And by the way, this is not inorganic coffee. Just you who think, say, say whatever you say. Studies have been proven that, that uh, coffee actually keeps people from getting Alzheimer's or dementia. So make sure that, you know, and my mom told me to eat my vegetables as a kid, and I have mine black. Might want to try it. Good for your brain. Anyways, that's for free, no charge. But let's get back onto this. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, people. And do you understand that people are not, uh, that they're selling you a bill of goods, and it's a dog and pony show? Okay, now we're using scripture here today, and, we're, and, and the word of God is what you're supposed to be following, not the teachings of men and false doctrines. Again, Paul the apostle was the apostle to the Gentiles, that he received mysteries from God to the Gentiles. So he didn't, didn't know about inner healing. He didn't know about deliverance, but we know about it today, and he didn't know about it. No, he knew about the blood of Jesus being enough for your forgiveness. He knew about the blood of Jesus being enough. He knew that the work of the cross was enough for your forgiveness. That when you sin, you go to the cross. You ask God to forgive you. <clears throat> I think I got something that came through that uh, my uh, swamp core here. Hold on. Let me drink my breakfast. Well, let me shake it up first. stuff tastes like seaweed it's called moringa uh, it has more amino acids vitamins nutrients minerals basically than anything on earth and i have it in a drink called uh i'm not getting paid for saying this it's called uh veggie solutions from from dr berg incredible stuff uh, gives me so much energy clarity of mind i feel like i got a mind of a 20 years older and i'm i'm 57 to be 58 in a in in September. <sighs> Got to conquer the world. Need to do it with good food. Amen. So let's let's get in. So we went ahead. Let's get to one other scripture. We're going to get into more stuff, people, than this. Paul says, I beat my body and I bring it under subjection. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. I'm going to go on my uh, my Bible app here on the phone. Nine twenty-seven. But I keep, now the original uh, Greek says beat, actually. I buff it or beat it. I, I beat my body and bring it under subjection. I think that your body's beating you and bringing you under subjection. <laughs> How many times has that been the case, right? I mean, let's just keep it real, okay? Okay, come on. A little honesty here wouldn't hurt anything. <laughs> but, but I beat my body and I bring it under subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself am a castaway. 
And that Greek word there, actually, castaway, is actually the word reprobate, actually. It's used in Titus and in Romans. And it actually, in the original etymology of the word, means a person that is beyond repentance or salvation. I didn't write the Bible, but that is what the Greek actually says there. That is what is is actually the meaning of that word there. So he says, look, at if I preach myself, and then in the end, I don't even pass the test. Because I didn't bring my body under subjection. That's what he says. So again, this is not... This is the kingdom that I'm teaching. Now, the kingdom of God is, is, is opposed to what a lot of people believe in. That doesn't, and I'm not teaching sinless perfection, because there is, there is mercy. There is imputed righteousness to those who truly fear the Lord are following him with all of their hearts. But I'm just telling you, yes, here he actually says, Paul says this. He's not talking about another, another person when he uses this Greek word here. He says, if I preach to others and I don't discipline myself, my, my body's appetites, then I myself may not make heaven. That's what he's saying here. Well, he says, he doesn't say may, he says I won't because he uses the word reprobate. And that, and that word is clearly a word that defines somebody that is beyond the grace of God. And he's saying it is possible to become a shipwreck, to, to be a reprobate. I know that is not a message people want to hear, but it is true. Sorry for that. It's politically incorrect, but understand something. I'll make a real quick uh, digression here. You cannot study the Greek truthfully and the Hebrew and believe in Calvinism. It is an impossibility. It, it is, in a sense, intellectual suicide because it's simply not there. And it's major ignorance, by the way. And I'm not teaching about that today, but it's major ignorance. Okay, it's major ignorance. It's, not, it's it's being so ignorant that you don't understand the difference between a noun, a pronoun, a verb, an adjective. Okay, it, it's basically you don't understand what a present imperative verb is. It's complete ignorance. It is. Okay, it is. When Jesus said, "He that asketh." That word there in the King James, it says E-T-H. It's a present tense imperative verb, asketh. He that seeketh, knocketh. Okay? All of these ter terms are a present tense imperative verb. He that asketh, knocketh, seeketh. That's why the King James has got the E-T-H behind it. That's the same thing where, where Jesus said, he that believeth. It's a present tense imperative verb. It's not a noun, it's an action word. So it's not a one-time-for-all-time thing, it's a continual thing. It's simply unintelligent to believe Calvinism. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's not what we're getting in today. But it's just unintelligent, it's simply a heretical teaching, no difference than Jim Jones, David Koresh, no difference. It, it came around in the 1400s, okay, like 1,400 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the early church fathers, which would you call the apostolic fathers, which are the first and second century, people who were taught by the disciples or Jesus themselves, who had actually heard Jesus during their life, or were actually taught by the disciples, taught and refuted the idea that a person couldn't fall away 
they 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 believe that was a false doctrine. They believed unequivocally that a believer could fall from grace. They believed a Christian could live such a manner of life that they might not make heaven. They made it clear. They they made it very clear. And so did Jesus, and so did Paul. You've got to twist scripture to believe or teach anything else. But again, this is a kingdom thing, and I, I told you I'm focusing on the kingdom, okay? So the kingdom of God is not always popular, okay? And we're going to break into, and what my desire to, to do today is, is to break off strongholds, fortresses, fortresses inside of your mind, that keep you from perceiving or understanding the kingdom. This message I just not my message today, by the way. I'm using this as a lectured demonstration of principles that don't add up to the way that people have false teaching that are opposed to the kingdom. This 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 demonology theology. A a well-known uh, pastor that was a new ager before said he was sent here by the Hindu church. From India to come here and to infiltrate churches and get people to become Hindus. He said that they brought in the teaching of inner healing. Did you hear what I said? That's what he says today. He said, we brought in the teaching of inner healing. And you people are practicing Hinduism that teach inner healing. That's what you're doing. It's not in the Bible. You don't see Paul talking about that. Not in the sense that, that it's being taught. The blood of Jesus is enough for your salvation and your forgiveness. Okay? Amen? So, God bless you all. And uh, give me a second here. This thing's loading up. God bless you all. And uh, so, praise God. Now, you know, see, people want spectacular stuff. And so, you know... I didn't. I didn't give this uh, end of the world uh, title, and they want the spectacular. The end of the world. Oh, but you know, it's not the end of the world, by the way, people. Everything's going to be shaken. Can't be shaken. God's going to do shift. It is the time of transition. Things are going to. Listen, I heard an audible voice say uh, in the vision, and I'll, I'm, I'm probably going to re-advertise that video from a couple years ago, where I heard an audible voice say. The lights are going down, Ambassador, and it was a U.S. military general telling that to an ambassador, an, a, a, one of an American ambassador in another country, and he said, "The lights are going down, General." That video is documented and archived here. The lights are going to go down this year, people. The lights are going to go down, people. This year, I believe that. Okay. I've got two, three solar. It took me a long time of a lot of saving to do what I did. A lot of time, and, and it's not the it's not the, the the way that when you when you pay sixty thousand dollars to get your solar to, for your house, you're just getting ripped off. It's a total fraud. I'll just tell you that right now. Didn't pay that much to do it, but I've got the three buildings here because there's this house, there's another little house, and there's another little house all on the property that I rent. And uh, this is where we meet church, and we have a, our uh, 513 ministry headquarters here. And uh, we're, we've got solar on all of them, okay? All right. Because the lights are going out, and it's going to look bad. 
and it's going to look the opposite of what God has said, but it's to test people and to try people, and after, the Lord is going to break forth, and you'll see this is going to happen. Okay. Anyways. But I'm talking about the kingdom today. I'm going to get back on this. And I'm going to get into some scriptures that you might have a hard time with or like or not like. I don't know. But, um, okay. I'm going to get into some stuff that I was told by Jesus. And this is a kingdom principle. And, 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 uh, and let me get through this. In order for pastors to live the way that they want to, it behooves them to tell people they're going to go to hell, give an offering, and it behooves them to preach the scripture in Hebrew that says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as is the habit of some. It's biblical, it's in the Bible, but they use this in order to manipulate people because they want their Beamer and their two-story house in Costa Mesa or Newport Beach or Huntington Beach. Okay. And they want to maintain that lifestyle. And so they, they've got to continue that narrative. Now, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you some things here that you need to understand about the kingdom of God. The church is not salvation. And what pastors have done is they've created like a cult. And that is, if you don't come to church on Sunday and Wednesday, you're lost. When did a building become the church? It's not. And when did even the body of Christ become your salvation? It's not. Christ is. And as a scholarly person, even even have my degrees in theology, I'm going to tell you something, okay? There's scriptures in the New Testament that tell us, come out from among them, ye my people, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughter. Well, that's not just talking the world, but it's talking the world's thinking, the post thinking, the heresy uh, that are in this world today and in, in the book of Revelation he tells his people to come out from her my people lest you take part of her plagues why isn't that preached with don't forsake the assembling of yourself together God isn't telling you to go to a reprobate church and he's not also telling you that if you miss Sunday you're not going to make heaven let me tell you something Personal prayer is more than more important than corporate prayer. Personal study is more important than corporate study. We do need fellowship. We'll have a church service here later today. 
we need fellowship. It's true. We need to break bread with other believers. But when when we've shifted the church as our salvation, then we come up with doctrines like you got to get devils cast out of you when you're a born-again Christian. And that means that you are a spirit wrapped in a soul, living in a body, that your body is the outer court of the temple of God. Paul says, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Peter says the same thing. So your body is the outer court of the temple. Your soul is the inner court. And your 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 spirit is the, is the holy of holies, the innermost court. See, the devil can't come in there. Not if, not if you are, are seeking the Lord and following the Lord. Even if you make mistakes, you can't just come in. Oh, I made a mistake and now I've got seven more demons. No, you don't. You would have to really live in serious, complete rebellion of God against for that to happen. And, it, and you might feel like you have seven more demons. In reality, it's spiritual warfare. Trust me. And, and, and trust me. And, I, and a lot of people don't understand this because they don't understand the kingdom. Because I'm going to tell you something. Discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals spirituality. How do you maintain your spiritual life? By discipline. How do you regain your By going, getting deliverance, getting inner healing? No, you don't do that. But you don't want to hear that because, again, you want something that is easy. Something that requires no death, no loss. No effort. Does, does that sound wrong? Listen, in this world, if somebody told you, look it, no effort, no loss, it's going to cost you nothing. Easy. You've got to do nothing at all. And you'll become wealthy or successful. Wouldn't you think that was a scam? But Christians, they believe this. Somebody going to lay hands on you, boom, you'll never have a problem again. That's not biblical. Okay. That's not the kingdom of God. Okay. It's a scam. It's a scam. Okay. See, but the kingdom of God, that's, that is not something people would prefer to believe a delusion. Oh, I just need deliverance. I need inner healing. They prefer to believe that lie because the opposite of that lie is the truth that they're going to have to die to themselves. They're going to have to resist the devil. Okay. They, they, they don't want to believe that. And that's why I say discipline equals freedom. But also discipline is how you, okay, get back your freedom. But that, that people don't want to hear that, right? In fact, here's the scripture right here. Uh, we, again, we talked, we read the scripture earlier that says, let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. It says, you've got to do that. Okay. That's the opposite of what's the narrative that's being taught, Right. Here's the scripture, getting the Bible again involved. When one is cast down, thou shalt say there is lifting up and restore the humble soul. Okay, so Job, Job, getting the Bible involved. Job, now Job's talking about when a man falls. Okay, that would uh, include you ladies as well. That's what he says here, Job 22, 29, Job 22, 29. Job 22, let me find it. Job 22, okay, 29. And when men are cast down, 
then thou shalt say there is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. Okay? When you stumble, you get back up. You don't get deliverance. You don't get inner healing. You get back up. See, discipline equals freedom. And it equals recovery. But people don't want to hear that. And so I, I hear people that are old in the Lord, and they're always telling me they need victory and deliverance. And a big part of it is they're just whiners and criers. That's it. And as much as I love these people, they, they are in the same place I knew them four, five, six, seven years ago, whatever. They're in the same exact place. And it all comes from a non-renewed mind, and they blame God on everything. And why hasn't the Lord set me free? And why hasn't the Lord delivered me? Listen, he, tells the, he says in the Bible, let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. He didn't say, he, listen, God doesn't need to repent of evil thoughts. He's not having them. You do. So you want me to pray for you so that, no, no, let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. I have this hatred towards my brother. I have this hatred towards my sister. Pray for me. I've got a spirit of hatred. No, let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. Get the Bible involved, Isaiah 55, 7. Pastor John, I'm having impure thoughts. Pray for me. Let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. That's what the Bible tells you. We read James earlier. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. We read Corinthians earlier. Casting down every thought. See, this doesn't go in with what people want to hear. And so we'll continue to live a lie because we're comfortable with it and it makes us happy. But those of us who've been bold enough and had enough courage to take responsibility for our own actions and not blame it on the devil, blame it on uh, this person or that person, our surroundings, whatever, but taking ownership of our own life and realizing we are the sum total of our own choices and that God has given us the power of life and death. He said it before us and he says, choose this day who you will serve. So you make the choices, then your choices make you. But that's hard. And people don't like wisdom, and therefore they don't embrace it. And that's why I tell you, you ought to read the book of Proverbs like every single day of your life. Because wisdom is actually, in, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, is, is more what we would like call common sense. Common sense. In fact, in the book of, of uh, Proverbs, really, if you read it in a good translation, it's talking about self-control and common sense. There's, there's the number one thing, uh, one of the number one things that the, the book of uh, Proverbs is talking about is listening. The other one is the fear of the Lord. And the other one is self-control and common sense. The fear of the Lord, listening, self-control, and common sense. But people don't want to listen. They don't want self-control. They don't want to fear the Lord. And they lack common sense. So since they lack common sense, they'll take a uh, they'll take a hack, an easy way, a silver bullet, three shundai shundais, give me a Hyundai, you know, three, you know, yeah, in Jesus' name, you're free, you'll never have any problems again. No, listen, I speak in tongues, I'm not mocking that, but that's silliness because it, it's nonsense. 
And I'm not saying that God doesn't work that way sometimes. He does, but it's not normative, and it's not what the Bible teaches. It's, it's, it's not normative. The Bible teaches that you're to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, but there he goes using that four-letter word again. I don't want to do nothing. Oh, sluggard, you just want to sleep on your spiritual bed and roll back and forth. Don't want to take any ownership for your life. And then you wonder where you are spiritually. Look, and it's hard. But guess what? There is a grace, and God does love you, and he will help you. This is an all-downhill trip. This is an uphill trip. I'm just giving you the tools, because unless you take ownership for your actions, you're never going to go further. And if, as long as you blame somebody, including the devil, or even including your flesh, or someone else for your actions, you will never be able to change. Because after all, it's you. You are you, and you will always be you. The word soul is not a mystical, esoteric, ambiguous word. The word soul just means your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's who you are. And let me tell you, the devil doesn't want your flesh. What's he going to do with it? It's just dust. It's going to just all be in the grave. He wants your soul. That's right. Jesus said, don't fear the person who can kill your body, but the person who can take your soul and throw that into hell. See, the devil wants your soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So people are all not understanding the kingdom of God. You've got to mortify your body. But how do you mortify your body? Put it to death, the desires of the flesh. You do that through your mind, your will, and your emotions. Am I biblical? Jesus said, love the Lord with all your mind, will, and emotions. That's what he said. That's your soul. You're to do that. God's not going to do that for you. God isn't going to set you on default to obey him. You have to obey him. You have to pick up your cross. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to cast down every thought. You've got to beat your body under subjection. You've got to do that. Oh, man, but that means, no, I know. Wisdom is difficult. The Bible says for the simple and for those who hate knowledge and understanding. So you want muscles without working out. You want to lose weight without dieting. You want good health without exercise and good eating. You want a degree while you sleep. I get it. You want to become wealthy by doing nothing at all. I get it. It's not the kingdom of God. Okay. It's not the kingdom of God, y'all. All right? So we're, we're, we're getting into that. We're talking about that right now in the kingdom. Now, I'm going to change a little because I'm just showing you this. This is all for teaching on the kingdom. And here's the message, guys and girls that are out there. Listen here. Do you not know your calling, brethren? Not many wise, not many wise, uh, not many mighty, not many noble. Butcher that scripture. I'm going to tell you something Jesus told me, you all. And now people, like, if I started off with this, I'd everybody. if I advertise that and I started off with this, man, you get so many people. Now, because I'm going to talk about supernatural experiences with Jesus. Okay? I've had, I've had encounters with the Lord, seven or eight encounters with the Lord, where I saw Jesus. Oh, people love that. But guess what? That's not going to help you walk with God because unless you let what you have happen penetrate and saturate then it cannot cause you to become changed and the problem is that's a lot of people have spiritual experiences and they never change because they don't they don't own the spiritual experience they don't let it penetrate and saturate them so they don't change because 
it's they're catalysts. They're catalysts, people. Okay, they're impetuses. Okay, they're catalysts. They're the impetus. Okay, they're an impetus. They're a catalyst. Do you understand that? That means they're 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 they they're what is it, it starts it off. It's it's it causes fusion. I don't know what other terms to use. Okay. An experience is to be a beginning of change. It, and generally, if, if your God has given you an experience, he's trying to shift your, your perception and your direction. But if you don't change your perception and your direction, then your visitation is just a hesitation. And you get nothing at all. Because the Bible talks about he that hesitates doesn't get anything done. Okay, you got to do something with what you have happened. Okay, now I want to get into some experiences right now of Jesus that the Lord has shown me. I've had several experiences about about the poor. Something the church doesn't like. I'm, I'm going to talk about this because this is the kingdom of God, and some of you don't like Jesus. That'll watch this program, and you think you love him, but you don't know him. And I have seen him, and you do not know him. I'm being honest. You do not know him. You may have met him before, but you do not know him. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to I'm going to reveal to you the heart of God about the poor, the homeless, the prostitute, the drug addict. Because it is not what the church has. Their viewpoint is not the same as Saint as Christ. And I'm going to get it. First place. One vision that I had where was that I was on a bus. I had walked in the, the door of the bus and I walked to the back seat. And as I walked to the back seat, I looked to my right-hand side and there was two gentlemen. They looked what you would call a little suspicious. They looked maybe like drug addicts or criminals. And my mind automatically said, you got to watch out for those guys. You know, watch out for your wallet. That was my thinking. And then I sat down, and Jesus walked in, and he walked and stopped and looked at those two men. And it was a parable, basically, what he said, because but I knew what Jesus meant. And, and so if you just don't understand what I'm saying, it's what he meant by what he said. He said this, after he stopped and looked at these two men, he, he walked up to me and he said, I see what you see, John. But that's not what he meant, just like you want to think. It's the intentions of what he's saying. He, he, I knew the download was, I see what you see with your eyes. But I don't see what you see with your spirit. I see potential. I see my creation. I see people that I love. See, I see what you see, but I see it differently than you, John. Because you're operating through this lens of self-righteousness. You're operating through this lens of pride. You're operating through this lens of being critical, suspicious, and jaded from living in this earth. But I don't look at people that way. When I see a prostitute, I don't think, oh, that when that little girl was five years old, she said, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a prostitute. 
And when I see a heroin addict, I don't see, I don't say, oh, that, that little boy when he was seven years old said, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a heroin addict. Okay. What I see is damaged and broken people that were violated, physically, mentally, and sexually abused, neglected, rejected, betrayed, and abandoned. And I see their brokenness of them and the potential that they had and the good, innocent, loving hearts that they had at one point that were stolen from them, not of their own volition and will, but other people that were stumbling blocks and who will receive a great judgment if they don't repent. And this is what I see. And so I see my children, the ones I created in my own likeness and my image. But what you see is through a tainted religious self-righteous spirit. And it does not reflect an understanding of me, of my heart, my kingdom, and what I'm about. It reflects a person who has a non-renewed mind, John. It's non-renewed. Do you get that? Do you understand that right now, the word I received the Lord from the Lord today was this word here. Dismantling scales and removing veils dismantling skills and removing veils see that's what we're talking about now see the lord was dismantling skills and removing veils that's what it means to have a renewed mind right that's what it means to see things through the eyes of jesus that's what it means to understand the world through a kingdom perspective and that is how we are to look at people Okay, now let's go to Corinthians, our scripture that we were going to go to here. Okay. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 126. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 126. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, things that which are despised, hath God chosen. Yes, and things which are not. To bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now see, God doesn't despise the foolish things. God doesn't despise those things that are not mighty. God doesn't despise things that are weak. God doesn't despise the things that are base. He calls them. But the church despises the base, the weak. See, the church looks at somebody and they go, that person's illiterate. They're not wise. The church looks at somebody and says, well, they're homeless. Or the word base, that means like the base type of person. That's like a person that you would call a low life. And the Bible says that God called the things that are despised by this world to make them his vessels, his people, because he loves them. God so loved the world. See, you know, it's always wisdom to love. See, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believeth in him, that's that's the drunkard, the prostitute, that's the drug addict. See, God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And that word believeth is, is a present tense imperative verb. Literally in the Greek, it means to commit and surrender continually. But Jesus said, whosoever. So you're like, well, John, I'm a heroin addict. I, I'm in prison. I, you know, I did this. I did that. That's okay. You're a whosoever. Come to the cross of Jesus. You can be forgiven and saved. And they continue in Christ until the, the to your dying day. See, but what we have done is we have despised what God has called. And so today, in fact, because of our influence in America... We don't want the base people in our churches. We don't want the prostitutes. We don't want the junkies. We don't want the alcoholics. We don't want the mentally ill. We don't want these people. We don't want people that are a few brick uh, short of a full load. We don't want that. We want an elite church with the elite. Don't let that person in the door. They're a little grimy, a little slimy. Keep them outside. This is not a kingdom perspective. This is not understanding the kingdom of God. It is not understanding the kingdom of God. We do not understand the kingdom of God. We do not have the heart of Jesus Christ. And and and, and in many ways, in America, you couldn't. This scripture doesn't apply 100% to America always, right? Because many people, maybe they're not noble, but many people might consider themselves wise. Because because guess what? You're born in America, you're afforded an education. Okay? So you can read uh, science, history, philosophy. You can study math. You can, everything. You're just afforded such a vast, uh, uh, manifold uh, uh, opportunity for wisdom and knowledge and all of this. So that, that, that according to the Greek and to the perception that he's talking about, because to the Greek, you know, education was wisdom, which is really not. It's common sense. Okay, it's the fear of the Lord. But what he's saying is, look at uh, not many of those people God called. Because why? Because he said, and you know why he said this? He said this. Paul said that, that when he's talking about wisdom here, he says the Greeks reject the gospel because it's foolishness. And they, they, they think wisdom is knowledge. Wisdom is not knowledge. Not, wisdom is not knowledge. Knowledge is only information. Wisdom is just, uh, wisdom is application. It's common sense. What do you do with what you know? If you don't have any common sense, if you don't do what you know is right. So, so, so wisdom is not knowledge. Knowledge is only information. But is it necessary? Absolutely. Some people say, well, knowledge is not necessary. You need revelation. Revelation is understanding of knowledge. And without it, you couldn't have revelation, so you need knowledge. But when you have understanding, which you get by the Holy Spirit, revelation, it's to enter into your heart, it's to cause transformation. Revelation is to cause transformation. Praise God. You get that? Revelation is to cause transformation. Revelation Revelation is to cause transformation. 
You get it? That's right. So, knowledge is important because without it you cannot have understanding, which comes by revelation. Without revelation, you wouldn't know what's right or wrong. But we fall into a dilemma. We fall into a, not a dilemma, we fall into a problem of James chapter 4, verse 17, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's evil. The problem is with revelation, you become accountable. That's right. And now you've got to do something. God expects you to do something. He does expect you to do something. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 says, I set before you blessings and cursings. Choose this day. Life or death. On, on the left-hand side, says, on the right-hand side, blessings. Choose this day, life or death. God wants you to choose life, though. But he puts the choice in your hands. He's not going to make the decision for you. That's not true. That's a hack. He's not going to override your will. That's not biblical. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to resist the devil. If you've stumbled, you're going to have to get up. Like I just read that scripture from Job. That when somebody's falling, you tell them you can get back up and you'll restore that soul. He says, that's what it says in Proverbs. It says you tell a person who's fallen, you can get back up. See, oh no, oh, I can't get back up. I need deliverance. I need inner healing. That's not what the Bible says. Okay? But when everything is, you've been taught this entitlement, spoiled brat, victim mentality for so many years, you don't like the truth any longer. You run from it and you hide from it. But I'm telling you the truth and, and I love you. And I wanted to help you change. But people have been lying to you for a long time, and you've been believing their narrative, and you're still bound, aren't you? And you're not free. And here I'm experiencing freedom in my life because I don't think like you. Why don't I think like you? I quoted scripture, right? And how do you get your mind renewed? By the word of God. Go figure that. So the kingdom of God is not always observed because people are because the message is not always doesn't make us comfortable that's right so we're talking about changing the paradigm and the kingdom's got to change your paradigm it's got to change something it's supposed to change your mind it's change how you see people change how you treat people change how you see god change how you see yourself the kingdom of god has come to change things and one of the changes and catalysts for change is the Word of God. And that's how our mind is renewed. So, in this scripture, he says, Brethren, for ye see your calling, brethren, not many wise. Well, in America, we really can't say that, not many wise, because the definition of wise here is not the word like that, that is used for common sense, because he already explains in this chapter, in this book, that I'll go up here in verse... 18, same chapter, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish fullness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputers of this world? Hath God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in this, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. 
for after that, pardon me, it's King James, I'm sorry, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. They seek after wisdom, but they don't understand what wisdom is. Wisdom is not knowledge. Okay? Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is is actually the end of knowledge. When it's been when it's when it's penetrated, when it's been received, when it enters the heart and brings forth action. That is wisdom. Wisdom is when the the, the word of God, which is the catalyst, grows in you and produces an action. If the Word of God is not creating action in you, then the Word of God is void in you. You're not you're not responding to the Spirit of God that desires to cause action. That's why the Bible says, "Submit to God." That's an action. Resist the devil. That's an action. Cast down every thought. That's an action. Mortify your flesh. That's an action. Take up your cross. That's an action. Deny yourself. That's an action. See, the Word of God wants to cause you to act if you're not acting then you're not understanding the word of God because the, the word of God is asking ask, asking for action Isaiah 55 7 let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts God wants an action you're the one to do it see that's the kingdom you understand the kingdom they just to everybody out there, Sammy, uh, Spammy, God bless you, amen, uh, Miss, God bless you, bless, it says, uh, bless you, Pastor John, Saints, God bless you as well, Andrea, God bless you, coffee's good for a lot of things, amen, amen, Johnny, hey, good to see you, uh, Johnny, uh, let me know if you got that, that job or not, bro, I'd like to hear about that, um, Lily, God bless you, from Canada, Amen. Amen. You're going to see some good things happen over there in Canada, Lily. Trust me. There's going to be some dismantling. There's going to be some exposing and deposing. You watch. You watch. God is removing lots of people. God's doing it. God's doing it. People are stepping down. I heard different military people and different people in political offices, they're all stepping down. Do you think they're doing that of their own volition and free will? Britain, Canada, United States of America, do you think that's the case? I'm not giving a opinion of this commentary in the context of what I, the, the contents contents of what I, I'm saying. I didn't give it a context. I'm just asking a question. Do you think something's going on here? You think that this ambassador or whoever he was, prime minister in Japan, getting assassinated, you think this is just all coincidences? Coinkydinks? Co- co- you think that's that's what's going on, going on, which has happened in the UK with another uh, prime minister or something stepping down. Do you think this is? It's happening all over the world, people. 
all over the world this is happening yeah Canada the UK Japan America hmm Anyways, did you guys know that? Pay attention. <laughs> Things are changing, people. Things are changing. God bless you all. I appreciate you. Okay, so what we're talking about is the kingdom of God. And so we see this scripture is talking about, uh, it says right here, verse 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek Seek after wisdom, for we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. So the wisdom that he's talking about here is the wisdom of education, because the Greeks were the, the Greeks were about that information was knowledge, okay, or, or information was wisdom. It's not, and so when the Bible says not many wise here, he's talking in conjunction to this scripture for every text. For every text, there must be a context. Thank you, Jesus. For every text, there must be a context or it's a pretext. So this scripture is saying that God didn't call a bunch of educated people. There wasn't a bunch of educated people on the whole earth before. Illiteracy was massive. But in America, you can't barely find anybody who can't read. We're all blessed here. So we take reading for granted. I've averaged like two books a month. I, here I've, I got some of my books. I gave my books away. I had so many books. I gave them away to start a to start a small library. I gave them to a church. I had that many books studied and read that I had so many. I just I I, I donated them to a church to start a small Christian library. Take it for granted reading, right? Take it for granted reading. So what this scripture is talking about, not many wise. See, but can you get about America today? No. So when somebody comes in our church and they're illiterate, they're looked down at. And this scripture has no real relevance to us because we're like, oh, look at that uneducated person. See, this is not a kingdom perspective. And that is what he is saying here today. We treat those without education as as useless flesh eaters useless they're 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 the you know hey they're taking up good flesh they're they're burning daylight they're just worthless that's how people look at people somebody created the image of god as worthless because they don't have your level of education they were not given the opportunity and some people were not and that is a reality because they're the woman. They're the woman that now is a prostitute. They're the man that is now a drug addict or in prison. And no little boy says, "When I grow up, I want to be a drug addict and end up in prison." No, these are people that are broken, and they're the ones that Jesus came to save. And you are a Christian, and you persecute them, and you think I'm better than you are. Who are you? Huh? Look at them. You do not understand the kingdom of God. I'm telling you. And so I want to dismantle that from your mind so you can understand this. Okay? This is the message of the kingdom of God. Okay? This is the message of the kingdom of God. The word that I received from the Lord is dismantling scales and removing veils. 
And revelation causes, revelations, revelation is for the purpose of transformation. So if the word of God, which is God's revelation, Jesus said, my, my spirit, my word is spirit and life. Spirit and truth in another scripture, but spirit and life. So the word of God is spiritual. It says in, I think it's Proverbs or Psalms, it says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It gives revelation. Okay? So the word is revelation. And when you and when you read it, it is to cause transformation. But in order for there to be transformation, there must be participation. Okay? In order for there, there, in order for there to be transformation, there must be participation. So the word of God is to be a catalyst for change. That's why the Bible says faith without works is dead, and it does not mean what some people say. They say, oh no, that's talking about that your faith is no good if you don't give to the homeless. That's true, but that's not what that scripture is talking about. He's talking about in every avenue of life that the word of God has to bring forth fruit. Faith without works is dead. Even Then he says even analogous in conjuncture to, uh, connecting it to. He says faith without works is dead even as the body without the spirit. Spirit, wait for it, even as the body without the spirit. What does that mean? That if your faith doesn't have a works, you're not going to even make the kingdom of God. And that is, it is what it says. And it's saying that, and it's not saying that you can not believe God exists, because the Bible says in that same scriptures that the devil believe and they tremble. So you can believe Jesus Christ is Lord. You can believe you must be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized into Jesus, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, as Jesus commanded. You can believe that. But he says that if your faith doesn't produce works, that it's not real, genuine faith. And it's not like, well, oh, it's eventually it will bear fruit, but it doesn't matter as long as you're born again, no matter what you go to heaven. Stop playing games and twisting things. Faith without works, present tense, is dead. Even as your body without the spirit is dead, it's dead. Because the word is to is to cause a catalyst. The word of God is to be a catalyst for change and action. You're to hear the word of God and obey the Lord. Hearken to the voice of the Lord, it says. To obey him. You're to hear the word of the Lord and go do what he says. Oh, go figure that. People don't even get it. Okay. Ay, caramba. No, my goodness. It does disturb me, people. I'm sorry. I, I, it, it does. They say that, that, that the brain of older people, that their brain changes in, in the wiring, and they actually cannot handle. That's why you, you hear sometimes they'll say old grouchy people. You know why they say that? Because they've done scientific studies, neuroscience on the brain. And they found out that the, as the people get older, that they actually, their brain no longer tolerates what they consider foolishness or stupidity. They say the brain actually does that. It changes that way. 
And this is scientifically fact. So the older people get, and if they're smart and they're wise, they, they no longer can suffer foolishness. It's really disturbing. This foolishness is, is very disturbing. And it bothers me, this foolishness. Okay? It bothers me. And by the way, the Bible says if you want wisdom, get it from people who are older. And when the book of Job was written, people lived regularly into very, very old ages. So when he talked old, he's talking old. Wisdom was with people with her, with her, which are older. Why? Because there's no substitute for experience. Bucko. <laughs> God bless you. I love you, man. So understand, when he says not many uh, wise, he's talking, look it. And so we don't see that. And then it says uh, not many noble. Well, uh, you know, I'm from an aristocratic family. Uh, you know, <laughs> Right? So some, some people, are, they are. Um, actually, little diversion here, and it's, it's, it's not a digression. It's, it's a little diversion, but it's not a digression completely. My grandfather's name was, uh, was Vance, and he was a doctor. And I was raised going, uh, my, my parents broke up, and uh, I was raised with my mom. But my mom always taught me a lot of culture and stuff because uh, of that, that and I forget which one it is I'm not sure but it's just it is a digression Van Packers no it's not correct um, Van Burgers it's not going to give it to me it's, it's an old name anyways um, the it was either the Van Packers or the Van Burgers. They were a very, very wealthy family. They were, like, very wealthy, like, you know, um, in this world at one time. Uh, they were like, uh, I don't know, like the Rothschilds or something. And so I was taught a lot of this kind of cultured stuff. We went to museums and had a high respect for art had a high respect for science until the Lord Jesus Christ showed me that it's a bunch of nonsense, a lot of it. I was confused, and I asked God if he existed, and I had an open visitation where I saw Jesus. He appeared to me. He talked to me when I was 15. Because I was like, if, is, is there a real God, or was I, did I come from a monkey? Because then I was taught to respect science because of my upbringing. My grandfather was a doctor. But uh, not all that is called science is science. So my point is, and what I'm saying is, here, look at, see, I'm using myself as an example. See, so when it says not many noble, meaning kind of aristocratic breeding, okay, the truth of the matter is, when you have that background, you can have an attitude of pride. And, it, and, and pride is a handicap. Because your blood doesn't make you any better than anybody, no matter what anybody told you. Now, I, I think that, uh, you know, my mom, though, she married a guy that uh, was just a hard worker and was not, my, well, my dad was a mathematical genius, very smart guy, but he was just a hard worker. He was, he made his money in construction. That's what he did. He studied three years math to be a mathematician. He 
at, at college, decided he didn't want to do it because he was the physicality of what he was about, his, his physicality, the way that he thought was physical. And he liked hard work. So even though he studied three years, he decided not to do that and did not pursue it. And there might have been other reasons. Maybe he psychologically didn't feel as a, uh, at that time, a Portuguese Spanish in America that he would do well as a professor. I'm not sure why. Uh, I have a feeling he might have thought that might have been the case, though I don't know that. But my point is, see, we these things can be handicaps. If you come from a very wealthy family and you're like, well, I'm an aristocrat. Okay, that actually is your weakness. That's not that's not a strength. You have to overcome that. I had I, I've had to overcome this thinking that people that are educated have uh, that are that are more intelligent because that's not even true. I have met some really stupid educated people in my life, and over my life I've been in business. I pastored eight different times, but I've also been in business off and on throughout my life, and I've made lots of money at different times in business. Okay, and I can tell you one thing right now: there's plenty of stupid, educated people, and I've seen non-educated people accelerate in business and do great because they had this thing called common sense that's not common at all. And so I'm just telling you: in the kingdom, our our perspective must change. Our perspective must change. So we see this. He says, uh, "Not many wise." He's talking educated. Not many mobile, uh, noble. Those are the aristocrats. Those are the Rockefellers, the Van Burgers. Okay, forget all that. That doesn't make you any better than anyone else. You know, I, I, I we all know about what happened with the the ideal of the pure Aryan race and, and Hitler killing a bunch of Jews, which he considers considered the Italians and and the Jews as mud races, and we see that. Okay, listen. That's 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 where all of that goes. That's where this nobility stuff goes. Listen, there's only one blood. The Bible says there's only one blood. Okay, the Bible says there's only one blood. Did you know that? The Bible says that's a scripture. One blood. It says out of one blood God made all nations. We're all made of the same blood. So get off your high tower thinking you're better than others because you grew up on this side of the track and somebody else grew up on the other side of the track and this. This is your last name, and 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 this is their last name. All of that is pride. All of this is 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 an opposition to the to the kingdom of God. All of this is a handicap, and all of this is a rejection of Christ. You're rejecting Jesus Christ. I'm I'm here to dis dismantle scales, and to to remove veils. You're not understanding the kingdom of God. You're not better than anyone. You're not greater than anyone. You're not more valuable than anyone. Your treatment of others shows the lack of your spirituality. You're measuring people by their degrees. You're measuring people by their lack of degrees. You're measuring people by their 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 heritage, their being an aristocrat or their their blood. You're 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 judging people because they came from this type, part of town or because they're caught in this sin or they're, they're caught in this sin. This is not understanding the kingdom. The Bible said that they accused Jesus of being a friend with sinners. But you're accused of being self-righteous and critical and judgmental of them. So you don't reflect Jesus. You don't understand the kingdom of God. 
when I see a person hug a homeless person or help a homeless person or care about people that are caught in drugs and they're not critical, they're not self-righteous, then I see a person understands the kingdom. They understand. They're, they're right. They get it. They're seeing like Jesus. This is the kingdom of God that I'm preaching. This is the most important thing that the church needs to understand. And it must return to the love of people. The devil has come and infiltrated the church. And we and, and the people are saying, I hate the Democrats. I hate the liberals. I hate the gay people. No, 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 no. I hate the Muslims. We're not to hate people. You've been hijacked. We do not approve of sin. We don't have to. But we're not the haters. We're not the haters. We're not the ones promoting hatred. Those who are doing it, you don't understand the kingdom of God. You're a stumbling block to the gospel. These very people Jesus Christ came to die for, and the Father sent them, sent him, the Son, Jesus, to die for them so they would get saved. You don't understand the kingdom, so we must return to understanding of the kingdom of God. And when we do, then the, then the world will come to the church. And yes, the Lord will bring in the gays, the prostitutes, the junkies. Oh, the things that are not. That's the base things of the earth. The ones that he's called, people. The one that he's called. The one that he sent Jesus to die for. The one that he's told us to love. Not hate. The kingdom of God. This is what I'm teaching on. Do you understand the kingdom of God? I hope you do. I hope you do. For after that, in the in wisdom of God, always, I'm going to go down here now. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the uh, Greeks foolishness. So we see that's what he's talking about. Then he says, but unto them which are called both Jews and, and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, this is not a conjuncture to this, but I'm going to tell you something. It is wise to be loving. It is wise to be loving. If you are not loving, you're not wise. The greatest is love after all. And if you have all knowledge and all wisdom and don't have love, it profits you nothing. And how wise is it to think you have wisdom and knowledge and it profits you nothing. No wise man would think that would be worth much at all. I'm telling you, it is wise to love. And those who have wisdom love. Because the foolishness of God is greater than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise. Well, in America, we can't necessarily say that. I've shown that. After the flesh, not many mighty. Not many that are noble. I get, you could say mighty. You could say that could have to do with military power or strength or authority. But a lot of that in America. So when somebody comes in and they're not mighty, we're like, oh, look at that guy driving in in that jalopy car. They live on that side of town. Did you see their house? That's not understanding the kingdom of God. 
That is not understanding the kingdom of God, people. Not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Now, I can tell you this. A lot of us were foolish when we got saved. But after a while, we consider ourselves that we were always wise. And are we really wise or are we fools? You say, oh, see, don't say that. I'm not foolish. Listen, are you foolish? Or do you not see the foolishness in you? That you were one time not wise, not mighty, and base. But now you consider yourself better than other people. Don't you know that the greatest sin that has ever been committed is pride? And that pride, according to uh, Obadiah, he says, Thy pride has deceived thee. Don't you know that wherever pride is, there's deception? And that you can never see clearly without humility? And so again, removing scales, dismantling scales and removing veils, dismantling scales and removing veils. That's what we're talking about today. Because we need to see clear, and therefore we need to see through Jesus Christ. Now guess what? I don't I, I actually love the people that are critical, self-righteous and judgmental. Really, John. Absolutely. I love everybody. I just I just they need to get delivered from their piss and vinegar because we've got to love the world. That's what we're called to do. And so I am preaching the gospel. And I'm revealing the mysteries of the kingdom because the church has got to get back to what the devil has stole from them. And we've got to do this and we've got to actively do this. And listen, if you do this on a day-to-day basis, you are understanding the kingdom. And whether you ever affect a bunch of people or ever ever get anything in this life out of it, okay? Because all of this stuff about respect and accolades and all that kind of stuff, that's all satanic. It's satanic. It, listen, if you the whole idea of if all of that is satanic. Nobody needs to know that you do anything good at all, except for God. And that's the way it ought to be. And you should be doing it for the praise of God and not the approval of man. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. So we are talking about what the kingdom of God is. Amen. We're talking about what the kingdom of God is. All right, so, for you, okay, verse 26, but you see your calling, brother, not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has called the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Okay, did Felix become a Christian in the book of Acts? No. No. Did the Caesars become Christians? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't become Christians, did they? The, the Caesars didn't become Christians. Did the Pharaohs become Christians? No. They didn't. Okay. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised. The things that are despised, God has chosen. 
and the base things, the base things. That's like a base person. A base person would be considered like this. I use this only for examples. A base person would be somebody, this is what somebody would call a base person. That guy's a crackhead. That's a term used to say that person's a base person. Oh, that guy's a robber. That's a term used to say he's a base person. Oh, she sleeps around. That's a term to use to say the person is a base person. Okay? The Bible said God has called the base things of the world. So if God loves them and sent Christ to die for them, and they're your enemies and you hate them, then you're, you are an enemy of God and you're opposing the kingdom of God. Whoa. No, I'm serious. And you may be taken out of the kingdom of God if you are such a stumbling still. And it, if you operate in, in bitterness and hatred, self-righteousness and pride, you may be a, a stumbling stone in the kingdom of God. Are you keeping people from the kingdom because your mind is not I love you. I believe you're going to receive what I'm, I'm saying because I believe people that have followed this program, they're going to be changed and transformed. And they'll never be the same because I'm... But I have to challenge you. Challenge you, but I believe better things about you. I believe that you guys have good hearts. I believe you'll receive this and bear the fruit of the kingdom. And whether you just give somebody a, a, a sandwich or or a glass of water, or you buy somebody some food, or you give somebody some clothes, whatever it is, I believe you're going to do good things for people. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God hath chosen, yes, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh and glory. In the, okay, so he says right here. By the way, you got these glasses. My eyes are green. That they did some tests on my eyes recently, and they're hazel. And they did some tests on my eyes recently, and uh, they are they were saying they're very very light sensitive, and I've had like all these straining headaches and stuff. And so they told me to get these 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 glasses with the shade on here, so that I can keep the light radiant light out of my eyes. And even lights like this bother me. So I'm not trying to be cool. I'm trying to relax. Because <laughs> nobody needs to have st stress in this world more than they already have in allotted light. So God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised. My point of my message today is why is the church despising those things which God doesn't despise. So why has God chosen those people? God has chosen that which was despised. God has chosen that which was base. Who are you to judge them? Who are you to point your finger at them? Who are you to say, I don't want them in the church? Who are you to say, I don't want that person, that greasy person around me? Who are you to think you're better than them? Who are you to oppose the kingdom with your self-righteousness? Who are you to do that? I'm sorry, you're overtaken in pride. Your self-righteous spiritual pride has blinded you to the heart and the purpose of God. And God loves you too, and I love you, and that's why I'm preaching this to you, because I love you. I love you. I love you, and I don't want you to miss out of the kingdom, and I also don't want you to miss out on rewards. I don't want you to miss out on rewards. And the final experience that I'm going to give here, and I wasn't even going to go there, but I'm going to share it. In a visitation I had from the Lord when I was very young, young man, 
a very powerful encounter, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to get into big terms, but the Lord spoke to me very clearly. I wasn't expecting it, really wasn't seeking for this wisdom. The Lord spoke to me this. The exact words I don't remember, but I will never ex- forget the experience. It was that profound presence of God, the whole thing. I'm a very young man in my 20s. I'm, I'm 57 now. I'll be 58, like I said, in September. And I was a very young man. And the Lord spoke to me, and he shocked me with what he told me. And I'll read the scripture from which he gave me revelation. But it was not, it was not through reading the Bible. It was he, he spoke to me. Okay. It's from 1 Corinthians, actually. Chapter 3 starts off in verse 11. That might not be the perfect place to start, but I, it is actually. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a revelation that I, the Lord gave me. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. This wasn't like, oh, I felt or something. No, the Lord spoke to me. For other foundation can no man lay then has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay or stumble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it shall be. This is talking about in the day of judgment. And he's not talking about people losing their salvation, which they can He's talking about people's works. And when people say that the Bema seat is only a place where you receive rewards, stupid, idiotic. I have right here, if you see it, it's right there, okay? Which is like the, the Apostolic Fathers. It's it, And then I have lots of other books that I've studied about early Christians and about Greeks. And the Greeks killed people in the Bema Seat. I got historical documentation. It's just a fairy tale that the Bema Seat was just a place to get uh, get uh, rewards. Silliness. I, I, I was amazed by the illiteracy of people. No, no, people people were actually killed there. Uh, and it, it simply not. You have not studied your history. And I spent many many years of my life studying the history. Uh, early Christian history, and I've studied the history of, of what was going on in Rome, okay? It would bore a lot of you, and you're not here to listen to it, but that's just simply not true what people are saying, okay? Not true. Okay, so, okay, so right here, it says right here, now if any man builds upon this foundation gold or silver, precious stones, wood, Hay or good is the good is the gold, the silver, and precious stones. Good, the good is gold, silver, or precious stones. The bad or not as good is the wood, hay, or stubble. Things that will not pass the test. They're they're not going to pass the test. Every man's work, including yours and mine, shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. It's talking about the day of judgment. Because it should be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If your works pass the test, you'll receive a reward. If your works pass the test, you'll receive a reward. 
If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. Lord, explain to me, this is not talking about somebody who's sinful and doesn't make the kingdom of God. He, saw, he told me, this is what the Lord told me. I, I was a young man. I wasn't seeking for revelation. He told me this. This is what he told me, John. Some people will not make the kingdom of God. The Lord has told me that, who are born again. He said, this scripture is not talking about this. This scripture is talking about that whatever you do with pure intentions will not, will not receive a reward. Whatever you do without pure motives will not receive a reward. That the Bible says that whatever is done through pride, do nothing, do nothing, uh, Paul says, do nothing through pride, through, through, through strife or vainglory. I'm going to close up. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians, I think it's chapter 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Nothing, people, nothing. Now, Rick Joyner said this in a divine revelation, vision, caught up into heaven with Jesus kind of situation. The Lord spoke this to him and said, Rick, and I'm this is not verbatim, but this is literally what he said. He said, Jesus said to him, Rick, I, I, I love it more, and it's more precious to me when maybe three or four Christians seek me with all their heart in a small group than a church of maybe 15 or 20 that do not. Did you just hear what I said? Lord Jesus told this to him, that I love it when maybe three to five Christians meet in a small group and seek me with all their heart than when 15 or 20,000 meet together and don't do that. See, we, we've been confused. We don't understand the kingdom of God. So we say that's success. Listen, if it's not done, listen. As hard as this is for you there, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, you, anybody, you might have built a massive church, but you may receive nothing. That's what Jesus told me nothing what is the 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 motor Mirandi? what is the what is the the catalyst what is the origin of your action what is what is the purity of your intention what is the motives do you think that you can do things with wrong motives and that god's going to reward you for that listen god disciplines us when we do wrong and those who rebel against him will not enter the kingdom of God. And those who do not receive him will not enter the kingdom of God. So how is God going to reward you if your life is superficial, shallow, hypocritical in your actions? I'm not talking sinless perfection again, but I'm telling you this. Try to do things out of a pure heart so that you'll have gold and silver and precious stones. And those things that are, are out of a pure heart are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. No other foundation can any man lay than has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ actually, Paul, since he wrote 18, 19 books, Pauline epistles, some people believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, that makes it 19 Pauline epistles. That, that actually what Paul was saying is, look at 
don't put my writings above the writings of Jesus Christ. The writings of Jesus Christ are the foundation of the church. Is that scholarly correct? Oh, yeah, it is. You see this right here? It's called, okay, some people call it the Etiquette, the Etiquette. It was written before the Gospels. Oh, yeah. Did you know it has word for word what is written in the Gospels? Oh, yeah, it does. Did you know that for 20 years scholars studied it? Yes. Did you know that like 99% of them said this was written by the apostles and was scripture? Yes. Did you know it was written to the Gentiles, to for Gentiles, how they should live a Christian life? And you know where they're preaching from? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're not preaching from the Pauline epistles because Paul wasn't. So when people say that we're, we don't establish our life on the teaching of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're wrong. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, there's there's four, there's reason. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's four of them. Why? Because they're pillars. You need four pillars. They are the pillars of the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Paul, knowing this, said by inspiration, no man can lay any other foundation. No man can lay any other foundation than Jesus Christ. So early Christians always said, if you read something that Peter wrote, or Paul wrote, or James wrote, they always said, go back and see what Jesus said. And if it seems to contradict what Jesus said, you're misunderstanding what they're saying. And that needs to always be the measure of any writings other than Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the shepherd. He was God manifest in the flesh. His words are life. We are to establish our life on the teachings and principles of Jesus Christ. That is what the church is to do. So when he says no other foundation can any man lay, then Jesus Christ says our life needs to be motivated out of a relationship with Jesus. Not religion, not like a formula, not like rituals, but a walk with God. And when we hear the word of God, we hear the spirit of God. For the spirit and the word, John 1, the spirit and the word, they're one. So you want to be led by the spirit, be led by the word. Because the spirit and the word, they are one. Jesus said, my words, they are life and they are spirit. So you want to walk in the spirit, walk in with the word, it says. You can't separate Jesus Christ from the word. The book of Revelation says his name is the word of God. So hear the word and obey the word. Okay, so we need to be motivated by Christ Jesus, the word, but out of a pure heart. I'm telling you, this is one of the most powerful warnings that I received the Lord of my whole life, that I could live my whole life. I can I could do this program. I can preach to others. I can give my money away. I can do whatever I want to. But if it is not based on love and, and John uh, in, in first Corinthians, Paul also brings this out again. He says, though I give everything I have to the poor, though I, he says, though I actually am burned alive as a martyr, 1 Corinthians 13, read it. He says, though I'm burned alive as a martyr, he says, and it's not motivated to love, I'm not going to get anything in heaven. So if you go to a martyr stake or you're burned or cut asunder or shot and you're, and you're done something out of strife or vainglory, 
You, you don't get anything. Paul, Paul said that. Go read it. Don't believe me. Check it out. Verify it. 1 Corinthians 13. He said, do I give my body to be burned? It'll profit me nothing if it's not motivated by love. So guess what? Love To, to, to love is to be wise. And to be motivated by love is wise. Because why would you do something for nothing? It's not very wise. And lose everything. Then he says, he says, if I had all knowledge, all wisdom, had understanding of all that was prophetic, he said. For some of you, that's you. Have all understanding of prophetic. You're so impressed with your prophetic understanding. I was before. Oh, what a sin. The idolatry and the worship of the prophetic instead of Jesus. We've replaced Jesus with the prophetic. We replace Jesus with the church. We replace Jesus with our theology, our ologies, our doxologies. We've replaced Jesus with anything but Jesus. And there is no life in anyone or anywhere but in Christ and through Christ. And we've forsaken him for all these other things. We don't understand the kingdom and the love of Jesus and loving God. And if we don't do this, if we don't, if we're not motivated by pure action, pure motives, that is pure action. Actions are not pure unless the motive and intention is right. Then we will not receive anything on the day of judgment. I'm telling you people, this is talking about gems, gems from heaven. I'm, I'm giving, releasing the mysteries of heaven today on the program. Understand. Why you do something matters as much and even more than what you do. That's true. That's what the Lord Jesus told me. And that many will be surprised on the day of judgment. If they lived a pure enough life, they'll enter in. They'll be saved as by fire. But their works, if their hay, wood, and stubble, hay, wood, and stubble will just burn up, people. That's the reality. So you're going to want to have you're going to want to have works that are gold and silver and precious stone. Those are ones that are done out of love. What does it profit you if you if you lay down your life to be burned? What does it profit you if you have all knowledge, all wisdom, all understand all prophetic? What does it profit you if you give all your money to the poor? That's another thing that he says. What good is that if you are not motivated by love? If your intentions and motives for doing things are not righteous of the kingdom of God? What does it profit you? you got to do things because you love God and you love others. That's the first commandment. Not just because you love others and don't love God. You've got to do it because you love God. It's got to be love. It's not, hum- it's not, it's not hu- uh, you know, like uh, uh, hum- humanitarian care. It's not humanitarian aid. It's not you love others, but you don't love God. No, you love God first, supremely, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? When you love God first and you love others as yourself, then you will do everything out of love. And then you'll have things to receive in the kingdom of God. This is a preaching on the kingdom today. And I know that apply this, you're going to have a lot of rewards. And when you get to heaven, I see you there, you're going to say, Pastor John, thank you. Uh, I wasn't doing very well before I heard this, didn't have a bunch of rewards. And and praise the Lord, uh, thank you. i am actually got some rewards now. I'm saying it's the truth, man. Jesus told me that he can't be wrong, okay? So what? please also uh, like the videos. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot of likes out here today. <laughs> I, I don't sometimes say all that stuff. Please subscribe. And if you have subscribed before, you may have to subscribe again. 
because something is going on, and people have told me this is going on, that they've been unsubscribed. Um, in fact, one of my videos that I uh, paid for it to be advertised, because uh, I know certain videos need to be advertised. Sometimes when I know certain words are coming to pass in a season, I'm, I, I sometimes might advertise a little, not a much, not a whole lot. But, um, you know, but uh, be praying because some of my stuff's not going through like it should be. Uh, and they're totally in compliance with all of the rules and regulations of this platform. So be praying. Uh, and so the reason I say that is we want to get this message out. So please uh, agree uh, with me in prayer. The Lord will break off anything that's trying to keep this program from going forward. Because trust me, people, um, because of the things that I said in the past, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm not going to shake the boat. I'll just preach the truth of the gospel, but I'm not going to get involved in talking about stuff that uh, is, is not a conjuncture to their guidelines. I'm saying on that. So I should not have any problems with YouTube whatsoever. You're all my witnesses. I've been complying with all their stuff. But nevertheless, um, you know, I, I said certain things before that, that got me struck down and everything. And uh, so just be praying because I, I should be in their good graces now. I should just have their favor. Just pray that the devil would rebuke the, uh, the the Lord would rebuke the devil. A little dyslexic there. That the Lord would rebuke the devil off of uh, from from my advertisement going out and anything that would keep me from the, the algorithms and stuff. Maybe it's not being done intentionally. Nobody's saying it is. Uh, but let's just pray for the spiritual warfare that's keeping this program from getting out to more people. Uh, sometimes it just gets out to a lot of people. Obviously, it shows that I've within a million views. And, um, and, you know, so obviously we've, we've reached a lot of people. But uh, let's preach. Why? Because Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So when you're praying, you're praying for the kingdom, right? Because I'm, I'm preaching the kingdom. And, and that's the truth. And you know that if you have wisdom, that this is actually the preaching of the kingdom. I'm actually doing what the Bible says. So pray that this message and this ministry... God would bless it because we're actually doing what Jesus said to do. And we're teaching what Jesus taught to be taught. So do pray for us and, and do support us because we are doing what Jesus said. And we will continue to do it by the grace of God until he comes. Amen. Amen. And I appreciate y'all. So do please like the video. Please do share it. Amen. Please come back and make comments on it later. Please do. Make it a discipline to always come back and make comments on it later. I appreciate you, brothers and sisters, that do it. It means a lot to me because it actually helps the videos to get seen more out there. Okay? And I really appreciate it so much. I really do. God bless you. It's good to see you there, Brother Aaron. Wendy, God bless you as well. Amen. Good to see you all out there. Amen. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Let's just keep on praying. And I'm going to just, you know, let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that you are going to shake up the nations, to wake up the nations. And you're shifting, and there's transition happening. Lord, I thank you that word transition is going to have some powerful ramifications here in the next couple months, Father. Wow, transition in the nations, in the earth. It's coming it's coming. Transition is coming in the earth. Going to see it. 
God's glory is going to visit the earth. Amen. Let me tell you something real quick. I was going to finish, but I want to do this one thing. The Bible says Jesus healed the lunatics. You have mental problems? The Bible says Jesus healed the lunatics. The Bible says he came and he healed all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. You sick? Are you oppressed of the devil? The Bible said he healed all manners of diseases. You have a disease? Okay. Jesus came, and when there was a need for food, he met it. Jesus actually cares about your needs financially. That's right. He fed the multitude, so God cared that they ate. God does care that you eat. God cares if you're a lunatic. God cares if you're oppressed by the devil or sick or diseased. So we know that because Jesus healed all this. So I speak to your mind right now that every yoke is broken off of your mind in Jesus' name. If there's a mental issue, I break it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that people will be touched because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, go in my name, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopard. So in Jesus' name, I speak to your mind to be free. Whether you're watching hours from now, when the program's no longer live, I speak. God, free your mind in Jesus' name from mental torment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. If it's, if it's financial life, I agree with you that God is Jehovah Jireh. His name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. I agree with you, and you agree with me right now. That's, and that's right. God is going to meet that need, that situation. God knows what it is. I hear that in my spirit. God knows what it is. He's going to meet that need, that financial situation. I agree with you. In Jesus' name, we agree it's done. Amen. We agree for physical healing. By his stripes, you were healed. So we speak forth life and healing into your body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Said so, and he and he and he delivered those who were oppressed by the devil. Now, if you're born again, you've been delivered. The Bible says that in Colossians 1:13. It says, Who hath delivered us from the powers of darkness? You don't need to be delivered again. You were. You're born again. Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 tells us who you are as a born-again Christian. It says, who hath delivered us from the powers of darkness. If he hath delivered you, past tense, then you are delivered. Okay? But we break satanic attacks off of you. In the name of Jesus, we break every soul tie. That is, relationships you should not have been in or should not be in that are still connected to that person in your soul. The Bible says that the soul of Jonathan was knitted, or the soul of David was knitted to Jonathan. That was a good relationship, a godly relationship. But we can see that the souls can be knitted together. It says it. I got the Bible involved. So we break soul ties that are not of God. That what, However they got in your life, through word, thought, deed, or action, we break soul ties over you that operate as witchcraft to keep you from your, your path in the kingdom of God. Pardon me. We break soul ties off you right now in the name of Jesus. We free you from all hexes, vexes, from witchcraft. People that are that are losers on the devil's side, we break all hexes, vexes, and witchcraft off of you. Jesus. We break every generational curse because of iniquity that, that may have been committed and we break it through the blood of Jesus. We break these things all by the blood of Jesus. Not by some inner healing or deliverance thing. The blood of Jesus is powerful. 
today for forgiveness and deliverance. So we break those things in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, we break those things. We declare you free. We speak healing. We speak breakthrough. We speak uh, the lifting of oppression, freeing from demonic oppression in the name of Jesus. We speak physical healing from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In the name of Jesus, complete healing from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. We speak these things and agree with God. And we know right now, in Jesus' name, now, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for your presence coming right now. Just begin to say, Lord, I receive your healing. Lord, I receive your healing. Lord, I receive healing in my eyesight. Lord, I receive healing in my heart. Lord, I receive. You put your, you put whatever it is to say, Lord, I receive healing right now. Lord, I receive my healing, my eyesight. I receive that the headaches are going away. I receive the back pain is leaving. I receive a healing in my pancreas or my liver. I receive healing in my lungs and my heart. I receive healing in my blood right now in Jesus' name. Just say, Lord, I receive in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, say, Lord, I receive in the name of Jesus. And I, and I agree with you. In the name of Jesus, that you're healed, that you're delivered, that you're forgiven, that the Holy Spirit is with you, that you're anointed, that God's going to lead you and guide you and direct you, and that your prayers are answered in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. God bless you. So good to see you. Shalom. Pastor John.